0: We are going to be examining dreams. However, we are not going to be looking at dreams in a general sense, as in the dreams that you have at night, or even, I have a dream about something that I want to do in my life. We're going to be looking at a specific kind of dream, namely, dreams from the Lord. And surprisingly, the Bible has a lot to say about dreams. Strong's exhaustive concordance reveals that the word dream occurs 98 times in Scripture. One of those occurrences is here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 19, which Jack just read. And in this passage, we see that Joseph has had a dream in which an angel of the Lord has appeared to him and relays a message directly from the throne of God. This is the third and fourth dream in four dreams that he's going to be having in his life. And I was trying to put myself in Mary's position uh, as her husband uh, rises in the morning, sits down for his coffee and his morning devotions, and he turns to her and says, I've had a dream. You see, if you're like me, you've probably had your spouse or one of your children or a friend want to tell you about their general run-of-the-mill dream. And additionally, if you're like me, you have suffered through the telling because most of us like to tell others about our dreams, especially if we've had a very realistic one or maybe a disturbing one, but not many of us like to listen to others tell dreams to us. However, when Joseph turns to Mary and says, I've had a dream, I doubt that she was bracing herself for some long, drawn-out, bizarre, and disconnected story, which is what most of our dreams come across as as we tell them to other people. Rather, I think that she was legitimately curious to hear it. And the obvious obvious reason is because of the impact that Joseph's previous two dreams had had on their lives. The first dream we see in the previous chapter, Matthew 1, verses 19 through 21. Here Joseph has just discovered that Mary is pregnant. And we read... And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so the impact of that first dream from the Lord was that her future husband believed her story, assuming that she had told him what had happened. And because of this, he did not break off the engagement, but rather he took her as his wife, knowing that there would be a scandal that would ensue. Joseph's second dream is recorded in Matthew 2.13, just previous to the passage we're looking at today. It says, now when they had departed, the wise men, who, by the way, actually had a dream as well, telling them not to go back, to Herod, but to go a different way home, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so the impact of this particular dream is that it saved Jesus's life and probably Mary and Joseph's life as well. So Mary is probably now wondering what God has in store for them. And what a relief it must have been to hear that Herod was dead and that they could finally return home after an uncertain amount of time in Egypt. This story had some good news, but it was somewhat short-lived because Joseph receives a fourth dream. And in this dream, it tells them uh, uh, that they should not go to a particular area in Judea because Archelaus who was Herod's son, was there and probably was carrying a grudge in regard to his father. And so they go to the town of Nazareth instead. And so this morning, as we consider this passage, I want to try to answer four questions here. Number one, what is a dream from the Lord? Two, do dreams from the Lord still occur? Three, how do we prevent from being led away by false dreams? And four, what do we do if we think we have had a dream from the Lord? And so, first, what is a dream from the Lord? Well, ultimately, a dream from the Lord is a prophetic message. God wants to say something. And we see in Scripture that prophetic messages can fall into two main categories. The first category is general prophecy, which is a message that's intended for everyone to receive. We see an example of general prophecy in the words of John the Baptist in John 1.29. As Jesus walks by, John cries out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so God had told John the Baptist that Jesus was the Messiah. And how do we know this? Well, we see a few verses later in John one thirty three, where John is speaking, he says, I myself did not know that him. So he has no knowledge at one point. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, this is God, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so God had shown John something that he didn't previously know. That when he sees this happen, he's going to know that this is the Messiah. Then there is what's called specific prophecy, which is either directed at an individual or a subset of humanity, and they are called to respond to it. Here in Matthew chapter 2, we see an example of this kind of prophecy, specific prophecy, which is targeted at a small group, namely Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. And the overwhelming majority of dreams that are mentioned in Scripture are these kind of targeted prophecies. And I'm going to quickly rattle off a number of examples just to show you how common they were. God revealed to Jacob in a dream which of the animals, the goats, would have stripes, spots, or streaks in order that he might receive them as pay from Laban. And so he received a specific dream about these particular goats. God warned Laban after this all took place in a dream as he was chasing after him because uh, basically Joseph had ta- or, uh, Jacob had taken all the money and, and his two daughters and was running off. And he said to him in this dream, do not say anything good or bad to Jacob in this moment. Uh, the Pharaoh had a dream of fat and skinny cows. We see Joseph, he goes down to uh, Egypt, he's in prison there, and so the Pharaoh has this dream about a future famine that's going to take place, and a future time of prosperity. And before he went down, Joseph had dreams. He had dreams about his mother and his father and his brothers bowing down to him. God spoke to Solomon in a dream and told him to ask for anything, to which Solomon responded that he wanted wisdom. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about a future kingdom in which the Messiah would come, a kingdom that would have no end. Job had terrifying dreams from the Lord during his time of affliction. Pilate's wife dreamed about Jesus' trial and then warned her husband, hey, don't have anything to do with this guy, I've suffered greatly in a dream. And notice in this list that there are at least four individuals that received dreams from the Lord who were unbelievers. Laban, Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, and Pilate's wife. In fact, it's been reported that in some Muslim countries, people have been having dreams about Jesus well before any missionaries showed up on the scene to preach the gospel message. And I want you to notice that these specific dreams now fall into three general categories. They are warnings, go to Egypt, Herod wants to kill you. Encouragements, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife or revelations of the future. In regard to, we see this in the Old Testament case of Joseph and his brothers. He sees a future event that's going to come and take place. We also recognize in regard to dreams that it is God's prerogative as to what kind of message that he wants to give in certain circumstances. For his own benefit and for his own glory. He has a particular thing that he wants to happen, And so he brings this dream. And here in Joseph's case, God had a plan that he intended to see to come to fruition. And so in order for Jesus to grow up in an earthly family and be cared for as a child, and for Mary to have a husband, he sends a dream to Joseph. In order for Jesus to be safeguarded against the maniacal king, God sends him a dream. And so, in order for Joseph to proclaim the message of salvation, uh, or Jesus to proclaim that message of salvation to the Jews first, God sends a dream that he's supposed to go to Nazareth. And so that brings us to our second question this morning that concerns us. Do dreams still happen? Are dreams from the Lord still occurrences that we can see today? And I personally believe that the answer is yes, for two reasons. First, there is what is called an argument from silence, and that's the weakest reason to believe that dreams are still for today. There is nowhere in the New Testament that tells us that this kind of communication has ceased, albeit it seems like, for whatever reason, this is a fairly rare kind of communication, at least among Christians that I know personally. I would agree that um, we see uh, this as in a rare circumstance now today, and I would also say, uh, like to say that God, um, well, some people would say this, God no longer uses dreams, or the prophetic for that matter, to communicate because he has given us the complete scriptures. This would be their reason for rejecting any kind of prophetic word. And we see these scriptures here in front of us. And I would agree, agree with them in regard to general prophecy. Okay? I don't think that general prophecy for everybody still happens today. We don't need anyone to tell us, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, because we've been told that in the Bible. However, not every individual situation or decision is covered in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. How do you make decisions which are not specifically spoken to in Scripture? I'm talking about things like which school to attend after high school, or moving to a different location, pursuing a particular career, how many children to have, which stocks to invest in, who to date, or whether or not to get involved in a particular ministry. Most Christians will tell you that they pray about it, and then they make the best decision that they can with the limited uh, information that they possess. And this is good, this is great. Pray about it, move forward, right? Nevertheless, I don't think that this is the best that we can do. Because who knows your situation better than God? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows you intimately. He knows which plans will succeed and which plans will fail. In James 4, 13 through 15 it says... Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year in their trade and make profit. Yet you do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And so, how did the New Testament Christians determine whether something was God's will or not? They discerned it through the gifts of the Spirit. Take, for example, a command that Paul gives to the church in Corinth regarding how they should have their worship services be. As a proof, he says in 1 Corinthians 14.34, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord, and so he's telling them in that circumstance seek prophetic validation. If you have a prophet among you, let him tell you that what I'm saying is the truth. The second reason I believe that dreams are from the Lord to, uh, from the Lord are still for today is when the apostle Peter said that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Let's look at Acts 2. After the Spirit comes upon them uh, like tongues of fire, the disciples go out in the street, and they begin proclaiming the greatness of God. And some of the people that were watching are like, you know, I think they're drunk. But Peter stands up in Acts two fourteen through 17. He says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Ju- Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Everyone dreams. In fact, researchers have found that dreaming is necessary for mental health and development. However, not everyone has dreams from the Lord. Joseph, in this example here, had many run-of-the-mill dreams in his life before and after Jesus was born. But there were four instances where he dreams that we know are from the Lord. And I believe that the Bible indicates that there are still instances of dreams from the Lord in these days because we are in the last days. Peter stood up at that moment and he proclaimed, this is the beginning of the last days, as we see in the prophet Joel. And these are things that are going to happen. So what are some scriptural safeguards? Let's say to this point, you're like in agreement. Okay, yeah, maybe there's still dreams from the Lord, Pastor. In certain circles that I've seen and been a part of, as soon as you start talking about prophecy, visions, and dreams, people start to get freaked out, right? And frankly, that's understandable. Because when we think about people having visions or dreams that they believe are supernatural, our experience has caused us to place them in the crazy people camp, right? Also, the prophetic, if not used correctly, can be very harmful to the body of Christ. People have made major life decisions based on prophetic dreams and visions, sometimes false prophetic dreams and visions. Think how poorly things would have gone if, come to find out, Joseph's dream was caused by a bad piece of lamb, not the Lord. What if later he found out that Mary was not actually pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but the town Casanova, right? And in reaction to these potential problems, many Christians have chosen to believe that the supernatural gifts like dreams, healings, tongues, and the prophetic no longer exist for the modern believer. They say, just give me the Bible, and that's all I need. But if that were the case, if that's all we need, then what about preaching? What about teaching? What about asking fellow Christians for godly advice? Because there has been much more uh, abuse and error heaped on the church through heretical preachers, teachers, and supposed mentors than there has been through misguided dreams. And so, just like we take precautions when we hear people preach, teach, and give advice— so too we take precautions when someone claims to have had a dream, a vision, or prophetic word from the Lord. We discern them by going back to scriptures. And I want you to look again at Joseph's dreams here. Three of them, anyways, have these words that follow them. This was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophets. The dreams were meant to fulfill something. And so, Any dream that gives direction should have at its center fulfillment of a scriptural purpose in our lives or the lives of others. It should have as its center Christ and his love of the body. We discern these things a couple of different ways. First, we discern it through church leadership. All right? If you have a dream that you think is from the Lord, if you have a prophetic message that you think is from the Lord, don't just run up here one Sunday and start telling us about it. Talk to the deacons, talk to the pastor, talk to those who you believe are discerning in the body. Another way that we discern these things is by whether they come to pass or not. If somebody stands up and he says, I have a dream from the Lord, and such and such is going to happen, and then it doesn't, you know it's not from the Lord, right? One of the best passages that speaks about how dreams should be handled is Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 26 through 27, and verse 32. Here, God is speaking to uh, the people of Israel through Jeremiah. How long shall there be lies in the heart of prophets who prophesy lies, and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, Who think they make my people forget my name by their dreams, and they tell one another, even as the fathers forgot my name for Baal. Behold, I am against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, and who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness, when I did not send them and I did not charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, declares the Lord. A few things to observe here. First, they're telling lies. And they know they're telling lies. (laughs) They're intentionally telling people that the Lord spoke to them, and they didn't receive that from the Lord. And I believe that the reason that they were doing this was that they wanted to gain a following. They wanted to be seen as credible. And so some people I've known have stood up and said that they received something from the Lord or they had a dream from the Lord, and then it came to pass it wasn't from the Lord. And they were doing it to gain some kind of recognition. Secondly, their hearts are corrupt, and they're leading reckless lives. They don't have the fear of the Lord. They're luring people away to false gods. And Jeremiah here says, they're no benefit. And so from this passage, we can discern some things about dreams in our common day. We can look at people and say, is their life reckless? Are they just running around out there? Are they trying to gain a following? Do the things that they say come to pass? Next we see here, and finally, what do we do if we think we've had a dream from the Lord? I have my suspicions that the reason that the Lord has led me to preach this passage today is because there is someone here who's had a dream from the Lord, or will have a dream from the Lord. And I think they're wondering, what does a dream from the Lord look like? Can I talk to anybody about this? Will anybody even listen to me? I've had two dreams in my life that I sense were from the Lord, and I'd like to offer my reason for believing uh, they were from God. Both of them had to do with end times. One had to do with the tribulation, and one had to do with the return of the Lord. And without going into great detail about them, the first one caused me to ask myself, if the Lord returned today, would he find me ready and doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing? The second one was a reassurance that things were going to get bad, and in the midst of those things, God would be our refuge and rock. Notice that both those dreams are very scriptural. Jesus told us to be ready, for we do not know the day or the hour. Also, God told us that in the midst of trouble, he would be our rock and our refuge. Secondly, the reason I believe those were from the Lord is that they were drastically different than any dream I'd ever have had before or since. I was literally shocked awake by the first one and was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, it just flooded over me. When I awoke from the second one, I was crying for joy and singing a song that had been sung in the dream. And so based on those things, and looking at the dream of Joseph here, um, I think that those were from the Lord. And sometimes, you know, we have anxious thoughts. Many of us have had realistic dreams, and we know they're not from the Lord, okay? We're just like, okay, that was disturbing. However, even in the midst of those dreams, sometimes I'll respond to them by praying. I had a dream last week of uh, Karin LaPierre. And I woke up from that. I didn't know if it was from the Lord or not. I didn't have this kind of sense like, you know, that's from the Lord. However, at the very minimum, I thought, well, maybe the Lord wants me to pray for Karin. And so Mary and I prayed for Karin that morning. And so maybe the Lord is just using that to bring somebody to mind. That actually can happen throughout the day. You know, you haven't been thinking of somebody for years, and then suddenly they pop into your mind. That's an indication that maybe you should pray for them, right? And so... With that being said, the next step is to tell the dream to someone that you believe is discerning. This is especially the case when your dream compels you to make a major life decision, like uprooting your family and moving them to Egypt. Our leadership here is dedicated to helping you sort through these sometimes confusing experiences so that you can find the will of the Lord in the midst of it all. And if your dream contains things that you think you're supposed to tell someone else that may upset their life, it's even more vital that you come and talk to somebody and get counsel. In conclusion today, the mysteries of why God has chosen a particular way of communicating with us are difficult to understand. And even the holiest of saints have found it difficult to accept the word of the Lord sometimes. Think about Moses. He heard an audible voice from a burning bush and still challenged it, right? Well, I don't think I'm the one, Lord, right? Think about Zechariah, who saw a literal angel standing in the Holy of Holies and still doubted, right? And had to be struck mute because of his unbelief. And so I say that to say, don't be embarrassed, you know, if you have a struggle with this. Like, I don't know about these things. That's fine. That's fine. That's okay, the Lord is bigger than all that. However, I'd encourage you not to take the opposite approach and declare, all right, this is a bunch of nonsense, Pastor Scott's gone way too far this time. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians 5.20. Do not despise prophecy, but test everything and hold on to what is good. In the Old Testament, God spoke to Balaam through the mouth of a donkey, Elijah, through a still wind, and Moses, through a burning bush. Hebrews 1.1 tells us that in the last days, he has spoken to us through his Son. That's the way that he communicates with us today. And this speaking through the Son is both through the word that's contained in the scriptures and through the gifts of the Spirit, which he has granted his body, the church. We need both the words and the gifts of the Spirit in order to have a healthy congregation. Like Paul told the church in Thessalonica, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. And so we need both. We need the word. It's our bedrock. It's what we go back to time and time again. And yet we also need the gifts of the Spirit for a healthy congregation. Let's pray. Father God, I know that this was a tough word for some to hear today, and maybe an encouraging word for others. Lord, I pray that you would help us in this new year to discern your word in the midst of all the chaos I believe that we will need to become more and more dependent as the darkness falls on us. And so, Lord, help us for the sake of your gospel and for the sake of your message. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.